Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room, the free audio-only social media platform for sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA on a Tuesday, everybody. I'm Wes Goldberg from the Mercury News and host of Locked On Warriors here with the host of Locked On Heat, David Ramil. And on today's show, the Hornets move on without LaMelo Ball. The Nets deal with more injuries and we pay tribute to an NBA great. But we begin today with the trade deadline. With only a couple of days until the deadline, David and I are going to go through some of the top potential trade targets and rank our top five most impactful players who could get moved between now and then. It's important to note that this is for this season. We're not talking about uh, impact for the future, just which player would make the greatest impact this season. So, David, let's start with your number one most impactful trade target. You know, I actually suggested this topic, and I mm-hmm. found it to be much more difficult than I thought it should be. Like, I, I had no criteria here, and I asked you what your criteria was, and basically you just explained it to the audience, but it's so hard to gauge this because a lot of it is, yeah, it seems like on the surface it could be a big move, but unless it's for the right team, it might not necessarily work out as impactfully as we could quantify it. So I, I find this to be a lot more challenging than I expected it to. Did you have the same problem? What I found was that I didn't necessarily go with who just the best player in a vacuum would be, but kind of what you just said, it really depends on where that player goes because you can move a really good player like a Nikola Vucevic to a team that's just not all that good this year and doesn't really have any championship aspirations versus another player who might be not as good as Vucevic, right? Like a, like a more bit player. You could argue, like, for example, George Hill, who doesn't make my top five, could have a greater impact if he were traded this year than Vucevic because if Vucevic gets moved to, I don't know, like a, a, a San Antonio or a Chicago or something like that, potentially, I don't think anybody's expecting those teams to make any real noise in the playoffs. But if a George Hill got moved to the Clippers for example, then George Hill, you, would, could, you could argue, would have a greater impact on this season than Nikola Vucevic, even though Vucevic, everybody would take in a vacuum over George Hill. So that's kind of where I ended up. Um, right. So with all that said, um, who's your number one? Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Me I too. just think, yeah. Oh, really? Well, see, yeah. I, I feel like we went at this from different angles and somehow still came to the same conclusion. And maybe that says more about Lowry than anything else, is that he's both – a very, very good player, even if not perhaps the best player as far as the target trades or the trade targets out there, but he can just impact winning in so many different ways. And maybe, I don't mean, maybe individually his stats don't compare to say a Vucevic or somebody else along the same lines. Although I think you can make a pretty strong case for Lowry, but yes, he joins any team almost and he makes them immediately better. And he fills so many different gaps, provides so many different aspects of what makes winning possible that he just contributes in so many different ways. So he's clearly my number one. I had the same thing with Lowry, and and mostly because of the two teams that he's most rumored to go to, being either Miami or Philadelphia. If Kyle Lowry gets traded to Philly, he's exactly what the 76ers need, right? He's not a guy, like Ben Simmons is going to run that offense, right? He's not necessarily a guy who um, needs to have the ball, Lowry needs to have the ball in order to be effective. He can play off the ball. He can make open threes. He can do all these things. Defensively, he gives them exactly what they're looking for. Uh, and he just brings that attitude that I think that they could use specifically in the playoffs, right? And so if he goes there, that would have, a, to me, a tremendous impact because it's also he's also a good matchup against Brooklyn. 
and teams like that. And then if he goes to Miami, you're talking about a team that right now is probably, best case scenario, fourth best in the East. Uh, probably not a team anybody's comfortable with picking to go back to the NBA Finals. But if you put Lowry on that team, then all of a sudden you're talking about a little bit of a different dynamic, right? You have a guy who can run offense for you, who can drive and kick, who can defend at a high level, which has been an issue for Miami's point guards uh, for the last couple of years. Um, and so of all the guys who have been really talked about in regards to trade rumors, Kyle Lowry's two main options. And that, that's the reason why Toronto would move on, right? It's because Lowry wants to go play for a winner and Toronto wants to start their rebuild. And so getting Lowry to a winning organization, be it Philly or Miami or somewhere else, I think just would have the biggest impact on what this title chase could end up being. Um, let's go to, let's just go straight to number two now. Who do you have at number two? I want to hear yours first because I want to know how way off I might be. I actually surprised myself and I went with Lonzo Ball. Wow. Yeah, yeah. If I, I if he gets moved, I could see wherever he goes, uh, him having a pretty big impact there. We're already hearing rumors that the Clippers could be interested in him. I don't really know what that trade would look like. Uh, we're seeing and you know the Warriors could be interested in Lonzo Ball. I think he would be really helpful for what they're trying to do this year. And Steph Curry is dealing with some injuries, so they could definitely use some point guard help here. Um, and, and I like his ability to. Uh, I like the way that his game would translate into the playoffs, where he's got such great basketball IQ and feel, and he's got, uh, and he's obviously just this transcendent passer, but has all has also sort of blossomed into this uh, off-ball threat in the half court. Right, everything he could do in the full court is well documented, but in the half court, he's sort of become this catch-and-shoot three-point specialist. And defensively, he holds his own, and he's versatile and all these things. So, on the right team, I think he could have a really big impact. I mean, that all makes perfect sense. And yet I couldn't help but think, you know, all these moves aren't necessarily in a vacuum, but they're with the expectation of increasing or improving your defensive, I mean, say your playoff chances, right? And while he's a great defensive player, I don't know that he necessarily does that. I mean, given his lack of experience in the postseason and how, I, I don't know how sustainable this level of production is for a guy like yeah. that and, and so my concern is that he's just not going to be able to put up those kind of numbers and so you're talking yeah on the right team could it work out absolutely I mean he's got a he's a great talent and he ab- absolutely does have a feel for the game like you mentioned but I just don't know if it will translate into postseason success so I went with somebody who you just said isn't even in your top five I went with Vucevic I, I know maybe his playoff numbers aren't great so maybe that negates my whole argument there but at least in the regular season, you know he's going to produce at a high level. He can absolutely change your team dynamic. He's a stretch big, hell of a playmaker, solid rebounder, not as bad defensively as is made out to be, given you know the fact that generally their teams have not been great defensively. This season they have been with Clifford there last season as well. But overall, I, I think he's not as bad as many people expect him to be. And he just – he just seems to be able to impact winning in many different ways. And his production is incredible. Like he, he feels like one of those underrated players and not a lot of people know about because Orlando hasn't been particularly exciting, but every time I watch him play and I've seen him play a lot, having covered games in Orlando, he's very, very good. And I, I just, I think he could go to a winning team with a, just a different of a culture reset for him and really get the most out of that level of production. So I actually did have Vucevic at number three. So I had him just right below Lonzo ball. And honestly, you could talk me into Vucevic being number two on my list. I, it isn't that big of a deal to me. I just had Lonzo Ball because 
of his position versus Vucevic. And, and you're right. Maybe it's not fair. Maybe I'm holding the fact that we've seen Vucevic in the playoffs and not perform all that well versus Lonzo Ball, who is still sort of a mystery, right? We don't know if he's going to play in the playoffs. And maybe I'm holding Vucevic that against Vucevic more than I'm holding that against Lonzo Ball. But I, I just, if, if he gets traded to Boston, right? Do you really feel that much better about the Celtics' chances of coming out of the East with Vucevic versus not having him? I mean, it's a different dynamic for Brooklyn or any team, really, yeah. I mean, I think you can see the potential where he could take advantage of that mismatch against the Nets, uh, against Philadelphia. Perhaps he can get Embiid into foul trouble, may be a difference maker, certainly more than Daniel Tice. I mean, certainly more no, than Tristan fair. Thompson. I, I just... He does improve. Maybe it's a small increment, but it's just enough to propel you from an also-ran to a better contention status. And I, and I guess that's really best-case scenario is what you could be talking about at this point, the trade deadline, right? You're not going to get it. Like, James Harden is already traded. You know, that was sort of the major domino on the trade market. Uh, and so you really what you're talking about is just sort of incremental increases, right, in, in, in these teams. So I don't mind Vucevic being there. Um, so like I said, he was my number three. I'll just go to the next guy on my list, I guess. Uh, I have Harrison Barnes at number four. Wow. I just think what you what he could provide the right team from that four spot. I, I like his ability to play the three and the four. He can unlock some interesting lineups for you. He's a guy who can go get a bucket for you. And his playoff history isn't the greatest, but that was so many years ago when he was doing that for Golden State. And he's sort of gone through a transformation going to Dallas where he was trying to be the guy, like the max level dude who, who can run an offense and – in Sacramento, he's more settled into a, a complimentary role. He could still go get a bucket when you need him to. He's always been pretty good defensively. Uh, you know, he, he just knows how to function within an offense. You trust him to just make the right plays. Uh, and like I said, he has playoff experience, even if people aren't that enthousi- enthusiastic about that playoff experience. He at least has it. And so I think Harrison Barnes, if he gets moved to the right team, uh, could have a nice impact uh, and maybe swing a series. I don't know if I, like I said, if he ends up in Boston or Miami or something, it's not like I feel all of a sudden better about those teams making it out of the Eastern Conference, but he could swing a series. No, I agree 100%. He is not in my top four, but I did have him at fifth, so I will give you okay. my next three picks all at once because he's, he's up there. Actually, you know what? I just revised my list and I got him at six. So I miscounted. I'm, pre- I'm sorry about that, but wow. I could see why he does have that kind of level of intrigue for a lot of teams. Miami being one of them, like they've been interested in a player like Barnes. He's got championship experience, all the different things that he knows how to do switchable big defender. I mean, he, he can do a lot out there. So yeah, I actually really, really like this. And, and for my third pick, and I'll launch into that one right away. I kind of cheated a little bit. Because I don't even know how likely it is that he's going to be traded. But this is a name that we've heard in trade rumors for a while. Maybe less so this season, but I went with Miles Turner. I don't know. That might fit. His talent level is so great. And what he does as a, a, you know, a three and B kind of player where he can block shots and stretch the floor as well as he does and has some low post game, although not much. Like he brings so much to the table. And, you know, for the Indiana, it's not that they necessarily want to trade a legitimate, a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate, but they have to make a lot of decisions this this season and maybe even this offseason if they can wait a little bit longer. You know, they just moved on from Oladipo. Obviously, they've got Karis LeVert there. I'm not sure how well his tra- his talent fits with whatever they're trying to build there. You know, they've got still have injury issues. T.J. Warren is still there and available for them too. They've got to make commitments to some of these players, and obviously, Demontis Sabonis is. Well, I don't know if he's their best player, but he's their most impactful player. But there's still questions about whether or not they can fit 
alongside Turner. And if that's the case, maybe they decide to go ahead and move on from him. I Again, I think he's a great talent, and they may ultimately decide to trade him. This- Look, I, I like the Miles Turner pick. It's one that I thought about. I ultimately didn't include him because I didn't think – it was realistic that they would trade him, which now we're getting into the problems with defining our, the own, our own game that we're trying to play here. But I, I do agree with all of the points that you made. I, I would say the only problem would be because LaMelo Ball went down, uh, the Hornets always seem to be the, the most logical, immediate destination for Miles Turner. And with LaMelo Ball getting hurt, maybe they, they lose some of that sense of urgency to make a move now and they can wait until the offseason. We're going to talk about the Hornets a little bit later on. But... Uh, if Miles Turner were to get moved, I think he could have a very similar effect to these other guys that we're talking about. I just don't, I don't know. I don't see it happening, but right. maybe because Indiana doesn't make midseason moves. It's just not really the, the thing that they, they do. So I, le- I kind of left him out. I sort of just disqualified him, but all the reasons you said are true. What a, just let's, let's quickly hit the other names on your list. Cause we hit all, I think we hit all nine. Uh, no, not your fifth, but I got Vil- Victor Oladipo is number four. Uh, I still okay. think he can have a Batum-esque like uh, impact on a team where he can all of a sudden reignite to a much more consistent player if they're not relying on him as heavily. So I think he could have great impact on a playoff team. And then I've got DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> it was waffling between him and Barnes, and, and I ultimately went with DeRozan. Uh, and just because I think he's a bucket getter, and you can rely on that skill set. He, he's not as bad defensively. He can still make plays. He's not going to stretch the floor. But still, if you're just down a guy as a scorer that can go out there and get you your points – I like DeRozan's chances. Yeah, that's who my fifth guy was, was DeMar DeRozan. I just I love that ability to go get a bucket in a playoff situation. And Grant, like you said, he's not the player he once was. He's 31 years old. Um, he actually feels older than that. He's not doing um, as much scoring, but he is doing more playmaking. Uh, and I think that could actually be helpful in a playoff situation. And so I really I think DeRozan could be really helpful to the right team. I look at a team like Philadelphia or Portland – uh, teams that are going to be in the thick of the playoffs who who could ha- have a chance to make it to the finals or maybe make it out of their conference. And to me, he's that kind of player who, you know, in the fourth quarter when you need a bucket, there's he's still one of the best in the league at just going and getting you something and can do stuff in the mid-range area and all that stuff that we know DeMar DeRozan to do. So coming up, how LaMelo Ball's injury impacts the Hornets. But first, David, tell the listeners about Locker Room. Well, this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. It's the first social audio platform made for sports fan the app is free to download once you're in you can talk to the hosts of the show other fans athletes and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport it's a perfect place to start or join a conversation about the nba you can find fans just like you in locker room for watch parties debates post-game breakdowns and of course reacting to big news or rumors so go download the free locker room app now currently available on all ios devices be sure to create a profile link to your twitter and join the nba group for the latest league updates you can follow hosts on the lockdown network i know you won't want to miss it uh I'm, like wes mentioned he'll be live later on this week so make sure you uh, to go follow him there locker room changing the way we talk about sports and if there's one thing you want to change is your approach to buying auto parts. It's the challenge of a lifetime, trying to find the right parts for your car or truck. You go to a store, they don't know what you're talking about. You're confused, you piss them off, and next thing you know, you buy the wrong part. Why go through all that process when you could just go to your computer at home the same way that they're ordering parts on their uh, computers and go to rockauto.com. You have access at home or in your pocket. They're a family-owned business serving auto parts customers for 20 years. You can choose from hundreds of manufacturers on their easy-to-use site and get everything delivered directly and safely to your door. Why spend more at a chain store? Rockauto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So go to rockauto.com right now. 
see other parts available for your car or truck. They go to the section that says, how did you hear about us? And enter Locked On so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the new Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. Uh, We're playing a new game called NB AdLibs, where we fill in the blanks on some of the league's top stories. So, David, let's get started. Kyrie Irving will miss the next three games because of a family matter. Uh, This is blank for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh fine uh, i just don't see it as much of an impact uh, look uh, they're they're going to continue to push through the regular season this isn't the ultimate version of this team they probably even going to change their roster they've been linked to some potential trade targets as well but more often they're probably just going to build their roster through other moves down the, the road you know during the buyout market i just don't think that the next three games are going to make that much of a difference i see this as just annoying you know, for for the Nets, they're already without Kevin Durant. James Harden's questionable with a neck injury for Tuesday's game against Portland. Uh, and and so, look, you've now you could be potentially without the the three guys who you're building your entire roster around. I mean, sure. What is like is Jeff Green gonna score twenty points for you in this game? I don't, and to your point, it doesn't really matter. You know, this is a team that's uh, built to make a postseason run. Doesn't really need to be winning games at the end of March here. Um, there, no major things happening this week that for them on the trade market, probably maybe they go get an Andre Drummond in the buyout market or something like that. But it just, it does sort of speak to how little depth they have. Mm-hmm. But that said, I don't think that you would ever plan on your three top stars being out all at the same time. It just, it feels like they're just trying to get through this regular season healthy so that they could be as healthy as possible for the playoffs. So just annoying, but not all that much of a big deal. Hornets rookie LaMelo Ball is expected to miss the rest of the season with a sprained wrist. Ball was the favorite to win Rookie of the Year and appears to be a franchising talent for the Hornets. This is blank for Charlotte. It's not the worst thing in the world for Charlotte, David. Uh, look, I, I know that LaMelo Ball is in is the leader for Rookie of the Year. And by the way, uh, he's played more than 50% of the season. He's going to end up playing 41 out of 72 games this year. And so I think he could still win Rookie of the Year. I would not rule that out. I mean, unless Anthony Edwards or Tyrese Halliburton or James Wiseman really have a, have an awesome second half, I, I, I think you could still vote LaMelo Ball, especially with the precedent that Zion Williamson had last year. Um, but, look, they still have Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier scoring 20 points per game. They still have Devontae Graham, who might have been a trade target before all this happened, but now you've still got three quality guards that you could play. Uh, P.J. Washington looks legit for them. They've got some guys that could still make some trade moves. Maybe it's not Miles Turner, David, but maybe they could still make some other moves on the fringes. And and they're in a weak Eastern Conference uh, where they still should be able to make a playoff push in the East. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think uh, it's not going to be devastating for him. But, um, you know, he makes the game less fun, perhaps. But they still have some really exciting players to watch. And, I mean, I was... We're watching the, them take on the Spurs even as we're recording this, and they look like a really good team uh, and still able to contend uh, for a deep playoff run maybe. I, I, they're going to need his production 
in the future. But right now, I don't think he was necessarily impacting wins or losses to the same degree that he's being billed at. He's a fine player, a good player, and he has made some impactful plays in general. But overall, I don't think he's going to be the determining factor for their playoff success. Uh, moving on, Hall of Famer Elgin Baylor died at the age of 86 of natural causes Monday. Baylor was an 11-time All-Star and a 10-time All-NBA selection during his 14 seasons with the Lakers from 1958 to 1971. David Baylor was blank to basketball. I can't, I don't even know the right word, but for he's just so Im- impactful as a, of the kind of theme of the show so far, but uh, quietly impactful because he redefined the game. Uh, perhaps the only player, like before Baylor and even afterwards, it, it was largely the game played by Giants. You know, you have Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, you know, the centers, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar after Baylor. They were the ones who were recognized. It was a, a game for, you know, big men. And that's how it was viewed. You, you needed to have a big man in order to succeed. And, and maybe it was proven the fact that Baylor never won a championship and the Lakers weren't able to win a championship until they were able to acquire Will Chamberlain, even at the end of his career. But Baylor's style of play, and I've said this before, could translate exactly into today's league. I think he's that talented. He was just so athletic. And yes, the level of competition, not nearly as good as it is today, but his style, his athleticism, he played above the rim for a guard, something that had never been done before. And he just changed everything about how the game is played. There's video going around, even on Twitter today, marking all of his highlights. And he's there he is in the early 60s, using what was later termed decades later, the Eurostep. Uh, he was so far ahead of where the rest of the league and basketball in general was, and he just never had the kind of championship success that largely defines players, and that's unfortunate because he played in that same era with Bill Russell and then later on with Kareem Wilton. You know, he didn't have the great individual numbers of some of those players. He didn't have the team successes of Bill Russell, and so he's kind of an afterthought, and it's a shame because he's such a damn good player, and he was so much fun to watch. You're seeing the outpouring uh, of, of people who, who studied the game, grew up on the game of basketball, and it's so clear how much Elgin Baylor meant to them, right? I remember in, in the media sessions today, Steve Kerr, first thing he wanted to talk about was just how important Elgin Baylor was just for him growing up as a basketball fan. And so it's pretty remarkable for, for players to have that lasting impact. And it's just, it is, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, you know. It's it's a it's a tough loss, and, and you know your heart goes out to the his friends and family. But um, also pretty remarkable to just see how big his impact was. If LeBron James and Joel Embiid sidelined, the MVP favorite West should be blank. LeBron James still is that crazy? I think he if he just misses ten to twelve games, I don't think that should rule him out of the MVP discussion. I think so many people were fast to just push him along. And, and by the way, Joel Embiid as well. I wouldn't rule him out of this MVP conversation either. Look, I understand the argument for Nikola Jokic. I get it. But the Denver Nuggets, like unless they finish within the top four of the West, I just can't bring myself to do it, man. I just, I'm sorry. Like I, I'm not best player on best team, but I'm also not ready to make a five or the best player on the five or six seed in a conference, the MVP either. And, and look, I'll listen to your Nikola Jokic arguments Nuggets fans and Jokic fans and all those things and I think he's a tremendous player but if, if if the Lake if LeBron James can return to the Lakers and keep them within the top three of the Western Conference and if Philadelphia can hang in there and Joel Embiid can finish the season strong I still think one of them should be the MVP favorite and I'm not ready to move off of them completely that was the most long-winded way of saying I haven't seen the Milwaukee Bucks play this year I'm not voting for Giannis this, I'm not doing it he 
I know it's a regular season award, and I understand it. And people can argue with me all they want, but he stunk in the playoffs last year, and you don't get and you don't you don't get to win MVP three years in a row if you stink in the playoffs like that. I just I you won't get my vote. I'm sorry. I don't think he stunk in the playoffs. He just met his match against Miami, and they wound up having a pretty deep run. I, I don't. I don't know that you could pin the loss on them, on him either. Yeah, I mean, they, he disappointed they had in the playoffs. Okay, but he, he disappointed had a team in the playoffs, play. and he's playing as well as he ever has this year. Granted, but he hasn't been playing better, and he's given me no reason to think that all of a sudden he can do better than what he did in the playoffs last year. When I just have this bad taste in my mouth, David, um, that's it. All right, that's fair enough. I mean, like it's all subjective, just like the actual award and voting process itself. I just didn't even think LeBron was really in the conversation as a clear-cut favorite anyway. I thought it was Jokic with maybe shades of Embiid in there, with LeBron perhaps a distant third or fourth candidate. So, I mean, I, I don't think he's still the MVP favorite. Uh, to me, it's still Jokic and then Embiid as second, and probably with a very strong case for Giannis as either 2B to Embiid or a third best candidate for MVP. So it's, it's interesting that you would mention LeBron as the shoe, and when I don't even think he's a top three. We check in on some of the key games from last night, but first, David, tell the listeners about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Look, football's over. But the NBA, even some games in college basketball, and of course the NHL, they're all in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards and TV shows, reality TV, real time updated odds on props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on. And with a little bit of that extra money that you win, at Bet Online, make sure you go to BuiltBar.com. We've been telling you about these protein bars for a while, but they're the best tasting protein bar. That's why we keep talking about them. They're amazing, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing taste, 100% covered in chocolate, all the bars. And now it's time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It's Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup, a really interesting one. I'm curious to see where you're leaning towards this. Coconut brownie chunk versus lemon almond cheesecake. That's a tough one. I, I'm not always a fan of the coconut chocolate combo but it mixes well in the coconut brownie chunk and the lemon almond cheesecake though i think is a little bit better just a little bit more of a tang so sweet so delicious you don't even know you're eating a protein bar that's why these are so good that's my pick which one of those is your favorite so you and i share a similar sentiment when it comes to coconut flavored things like almond joys can go straight to hell you know i don't i don't, I don't need to have almond joys in my life uh and i actually don't love the coconut chocolate built bar by itself even though they they have sent them to me yes. and i've tried them they're not as bad as almond joys but i really have a hard time with that coconut flavor mm-hmm. that said this chunky coconut situation i gave it a shot i did and it's not the worst coke it's probably the best coconut flavored item that i've ever had in my life I'll give you uh, that. other than like a other than like a pina colada loaded with rum and so i i i liked it but i still have to give the edge to lemon almond cheesecake for the same reasons you said like, First of all, like that that tartiness, that fruitiness, mm-hmm. plus with the chocolate, like it's an unbeatable combination. Yeah, I agree. So go to BuiltBar.com, vote for yourself, or go to at bar underscore built on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15. You get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Check back to see who's won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA Draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast, scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness. Four days a week 
from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. Kings beat the Cavaliers 119 to 105. De'Aaron Fox, 30 points, six rebounds, and six assists. JaVale McGee, talking about buyout candidates, 18 points, nine rebounds, three assists. The Thunder beat the Timberwolves 112 to 103. And in that game, Shea Gilgis Alexander, 31 points, three rebounds, four assists. Carl Anthony Towns continues to play well. 33 points, 10 rebounds, and an assist. Now, between De'Aaron Fox, Shea Gilgis Alexander, and Carl Anthony Towns, that those are really, really good young players and players that these teams, these bad teams, are planning to build around. De'Aaron Fox, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Carl Anthony Towns. Of those three guys, which one would you rather build around? I guess I'd have to say Carl Anthony Towns, and yet it just seems like it makes the process of building a team around him that much harder. Uh, I think he's the most talented, certainly the most productive, but given his career, how it's played out, it's hard to see whether or not he can be the centerpiece of your team. So maybe I'm making a bad decision. Maybe it's great. Maybe I am a Minnesota GM uh, after all, because I prefer building around towns, even though if it, it might not be the, the best move. Uh, I'm going to look, I think a lot of people would take cat in this situation because he's an established name. Uh, you know, He's a transcendent unicorn type of center and all these things, but I cannot escape Shea Gilgis Alexander. I first of all, I love watching him, and I don't particularly like watching anybody else in the Thunder. That's not true. I like Lou Dort, but Shea Gilgis Alexander. You watch him play, and he's got so many. He shows us flashes of what a franchise type of talent can do, as far as being able to score in those little in between pockets of the court, yeah. uh, being able to take over games. He's got this awesome first step. He's super long, really athletic, and guard a bunch of different positions for you. And then you go ahead and look at these scoring numbers, and what he's been able to do over the last ten or so games, David, has just been unbelievable. His shooting percentages are great. He's one of the best drivers in the league. He's got a burgeoning uh, mid-range game that you have to love. The percentages there are good, uh, and so. Look, I think Carl Anthony Towns right now is the better player than Shea Gilgis Alexander, but I don't think it's by as as much as maybe some casual fans would ima- would assume. And if if it was between those two, I think Shea is that kind that kind of player who you can more easily build around. To your point about the 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 difficulties of building around a player like Cat, Shea's that kind of guy that is is pretty easy to build around. You just put the ball in his hands, surround him with some shooting, get him uh, some solid big men presence in the paint. And you're off and running. I think that the Thunder, they should start operating as if they're re- ready to build around SGA now. And maybe stop with this asset collection game. I think they, I saw something like they have 32 draft picks in the next seven years. That's too many draft picks. Start catching those chips in and start building around Shea because I think it's time. Certainly this offseason, I could see it. I mean, I... <laughs> It's a strong case, and I was looking up his numbers. I did not realize he was shooting as well as he had. But, I mean, I knew he was a phenomenal player. But 40% from three this season, just uh, almost 41%, really. Uh, that's just incredible. Uh, yeah, certainly a good pick. I, I can't fault you for that. And then maybe uh, to your point, you know what? I'll change my mind. You've, you've convinced <laughs> me. Let's go with SGA. And shout-out to De'Aaron Fox. He's, that dude, he keeps getting better in Sacramento, despite the Kings just being a complete mess all the time. And he just keeps getting better. He keeps, you know, uh, saying all the right things in the media and stuff like that. I think they can obviously build around him. Would have been better to build around him and Luka Doncic. They could have done that, but oh, instead, you know, they what took a Bagley. But what? Uh, but yeah, not not a bad option in there. Uh, we'll see what happens with those teams. We'll see what happens between now and the trade deadline. A whole lot of things yet to come. But that will do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On NBA wherever you listen to podcasts. For Thirty minutes of the NBA's top stories every day. We'll be 
back here next Tuesday. In the meantime, you can find me at Lockdown Warriors and David over at Lockdown Heat. Thanks for listening.